Good morning. <laughs> the uh, Archbishop Gonsfein, Georg Gonsfein, Benedict's friend and personal secretary, is a news story that I thought would be a bigger news story, the treatment of him. If you haven't checked out the video I did today on that, please do so. That's uh, critically important. And this live stream is meant to dovetail with that. He has been trying to rebuild his life, basically, since the passing of Benedict the 16th. And it is quite customary for the personal secretary of a departed pontiff to not have a job in the Vatican anymore. In fact, it's almost a security measure to make sure they don't, just to make sure that any differences in the style and how everything is done between one pontiff to the next is carried out smoothly and that people don't go to the old secretary to when there's a conflict to try to stir up trouble. So they usually send the old one out. So again, if you're tuning in a little late, I suggest if you haven't checked out today's video on Archbishop Georg Gonswein and the treatment he's receiving at the hands of the Bergolians, I would recommend you do so because it's ahistorical and it's reprehensible what they're doing to him. But there's something in that video that I didn't really comment on, that he, a statement he made. I wanted to save that for a separate stream because uh, he makes this, there's this statement he makes that's in his book that just came out a few days ago. And the, at least the in-depth review of that book by Pillar Catholic makes it look like he makes this bombshell statement and then doesn't go any further. And the mistake he makes is that, or the, the, sta the statement he makes is that there was a mistake made in the abdication of Benedict XVI. And he doesn't mean it was a mistake for him to abdicate. He means there was a mistake was made in the abdication of Benedict XVI. You do see why that might be a kind of an important thing for him to clarify, but he never appears from the review not to go any further. The book came out just a couple of days ago in the United States in English. Good morning to everybody in the chat, to Miriam, to Michael and Jaron, Kathy, Jeff, Mark. Good morning to you all in the chat. And to those of you who are not in the chat who are watching live, we will jump right into the story. The uh, I'm working with today the article from Pillar Catholic published actually earlier this year. I used it at way earlier this year. I used it as a source in today's video, uh, main video. Watch that if you haven't, because I was building the case that Archbishop Gonsfein is being treated in a way that is utterly reprehensible compared to most former secretaries of departed pontiffs. And I say he's being treated reprehensibly because, yes, while it's normal to send them out of the Vatican after a pontiff passes away, they typically get jobs elsewhere. He is being blocked at every turn from getting a job. No job whatsoever. He was he, He's sort of become kind of hanging out in a diocese and doing odd jobs for the bishop there, but nothing formal. Any attempt he's had to make give speeches about things to promote his book are being blocked to him. So good morning to all y'all who joined me this morning in the chat. Let's go over my bit of evidence here. So the, his book came out, if you want to know the title of it, check out this video today. I have it on the screen for you if you want to see it. But Benedict, the book about Benedict's life by Archbishop Georg Ganswein was released in English just a few days ago. 
and its English trans its English translation has a different title than the German and Italian translations do. But in chapter seven of the book, we get this uh, this incredible statement that is made by Georg Gonsfein that is apparently never clarified. He just makes it, and it's like thrown out there, chum in the water to sharks. Here it is, chapter seven. According to the pillar, here's their summary. Quote, entitled The Historic Renunciation That Marked an Era, this chapter describes Benedict XVI's decision to resign. Gonsfein says that the Pope's commitment to celebrate World Youth Day in Brazil in 2013 weighed heavily on his mind. As Benedict felt his strength diminish, he behaved atypically at prayer. Quote, on kneeling, he would take his head in his hands and almost collapse in on himself, an attitude foreign to his style. He recalls that Benedict informed him on September 25th, 2012, of his intention to make way for a, quote, new, younger, and more energetic Pope. He briefly tried to persuade him to stay on, but realized, quote, it was utterly futile. Gonsfein notes sheepishly that the Pope's Latin resignation announcement, drafted amid tight secrecy, contained a few errors. Do you understand why it's an important statement? Let's continue. He says that Benedict's serenity on the day of his abdication convinced him that his mentor had, quote, mystical ascetical traits and a, quote, direct rapport with God, by whom he felt truly inspired and constantly guided. The author notes that months before the resignation, Benedict had appointed him prefect of the prefecture of the papal household and named him an archbishop. He describes his episcopal ordination as, quote, most solemn liturgical ceremony I have ever participated in. And, quote, let's repeat that again. Gonsfein notes sheepishly that the Pope's Latin resignation announcement, drafted amid tight secrecy, contained a few errors. No kidding. You'd... Archbishop Gonsfein just made every, we'll call the Benny, Benny Plenists, those are the ones who believe that, or interregnumists, as they some call themselves now, they are the ones who very vociferously say that Benedict is the, is the, was the true pope and that Francis is not a pope at all and was, has never been. They're the ones who, at least one group of them, because there are several different hypotheses among that group, they're the ones who say that there was a mistake made in Benedict's resignation. There's at least one faction who says it was an invalid resignation because an error was made in the text of the resignation. It'd be nice to get some clarification from Gonsfein what he meant by that, wouldn't it? Because if it had been in there, if it had been in there, Pillar Catholic would have reported it because... J.D. Flynn, who runs Pillar Catholic, is not one to help foment reactionary stuff, and he, who is not one to stir the pot. He takes his job as a journalist very seriously. If Gonsfein had said that there were errors, like serious errors, in the text, and then he enumerated them, he would have said so in his article. So that's where we're at. Wouldn't it be nice to have the text of that document? Mark Becker, a few errors. Apparently, I mean, that's a lot of the, the 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 interregnumists say that there are a few errors in there. Some of them say that that invalidates the resignation. I'm not on board necessarily with that. I will wait till the church formally makes a ruling on this, the, the current alleged pontificate that we're living through. Good morning to everyone here. The other one thing I want to mention to you is that... Uh, uh, Father Dave Nix has a wonderful new article on his blog, 
PadrePeregrino.org, where he expressly states that the new, that the synod on synodality, the synod of sin, is directly contradicting the 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 syllabus of errors and the preconciliar church on what five six points here one two three four five six seven points so if you want to hear what these are these are all formally condemned as heresies let's see how many of these you can pick up as something the synod of sin has directly contradicted the church on remember each one of these statements that you're going to you're going to hear are statements in the syllabus of errors that are described as if someone says these, if someone believes these statements, let him be anathema, meaning excommunicated. Okay. From the syllabus of errors. So number five from the syllabus, divine revelation is imperfect and therefore subject to a continual and indefinite progress corresponding with the advancement of human reason. That statement, if you believe it as a Catholic, let him be anathema. Okay, we saw that in the actual final document of the Synod of Sin. Number two, line 15, every man is free to embrace and profess that religion, which guided by the light of reason, he shall consider true. Let him be anathema. That, again, is from the syllabus of errors. And we saw that <laughs> Vatican II, and we have seen that again reiterated in this by the Synod of Sin. Line 16 from the syllabus. Man may, in the observance of any religion whatever, find the way of eternal salvation and arrive at eternal salvation. Contains an anathema. Professed by the, by the post-conciliar order of things. Number 17. Good hope, at least, is to be entertained of the internal salvation of all those who are not at all in the true church of Christ. Again, let him be anathema. Number 21. The church has not the power of defining dogmatically that the religion of the Catholic Church is the only true religion. According to the syllabus of errors, let him be anathema, if you believe those things. Meaning excommunicated. Number 21. No, number 50. Lay authority possesses of itself the right of presenting bishops and may require of them to undertake the administration of the diocese before they receive canonical institution and the letters apostolic from the Holy See. Let him be anathema. What does that one mean? Well, the synod right now, or did, debate, and we'll pick this back up in October of 2024, the subject of the lay governance of dioceses. That the and that the bishop should be reviewed by dioceses. They actually took that up and are seriously considering it. Let him be anathema. Number 66. The sacrament of marriage is only something accessory to the contract and separate from it, and the sacrament itself consists in the nuptial benediction alone. Let him be anathema. That has to do with essentially divorce, remarriage, all of it. And as Father Nick says, don't blame him for pointing this out. You can either side with the Catholic Church or with the whatever, the ape, basically. He doesn't say the ape, but you can make your choice. For those joining us late wondering where the Gonsvine talk is, we started at the beginning. I will just read you that paragraph again. So, chapter 7, from the Pillar, from the Pillar Catholic summary of Gonsvine's new book, which is now out in English in the United States, available I saw it's available on Amazon. I'm about to order a copy so I can do a proper talk about this book. 
here's what is here's the chapter seven summary entitled the historic renunciation that marked an era. This chapter describes Benedict XVI's decision to resign. Gonsvine says that the Pope's commitment to celebrate World Youth Day in Brazil in 2013 weighed heavily on his mind. As Benedict felt his strength diminish, he behaved atypically at prayer. On kneeling, he would take his head in his hands and almost collapse in on himself, an attitude foreign to his style. He recalls that Benedict informed him on September 25th, 2012, of his intention to make way for, quote, a new, younger, and more energetic Pope. He briefly tried to persuade him to stay on, but realized it was utterly futile. And then here's the money right here. Gonsfine notes sheepishly that the Pope's Latin resignation announcement, drafted amid tight secrecy, contained a few errors. He says that Benedict's serenity on the day of his abdication convinced him that his mentor had mystical ascetical traits and a direct rapport with God, by whom he felt truly inspired and constantly guided. You understand why it's important. <laughs> there is, there are several different positions among those who are broadly lumped in together as believing that Benedict was authentically the Pope and that Francis has never been Pope. And while I don't necessarily uh, agree with that general position, there's at least, it's worth noting here that there's at least one group of them who says that Benedict's resignation was invalid because it contained errors, actual technical errors. And here we have Gonsfine admitting at least on the errors part, that they knew it had errors in it, or at least he knew it had errors in it. It's kind of important. <laughs> do I, Don Brooke asks, do you think the archbishop understands there is a problem in succession? I don't know. I think because of his opinion, you he his opinion that Benedict XVI, that Joseph Ratzinger was an ascetical person with like a this mystical link to God himself, the way you would hope every Pope would be that his belief that Benedict had that sort of supernatural charism that he would take Benedict at face value when he says that he truly did resign, that Francis is truly Pope. He probably understand. Uh, I guarantee you, he knows that there is a controversy around the succession, but, and he has to know that even by admitting in just that passive way that I just read to you, that there was a problem. He would have to. Well, this time of year, uh, Jenkins, who says that sometimes it's difficult not to despair. This is a great time to actually remedy that. We are entering into the eight days of the All Souls. Um, tomorrow morning, at some point, Archbishop Vigano is going to release a letter on the on, for All Souls. He's already released one on the on Christ the King, and I forgot to record that. So I'm going to put both of those together in one doc, in one video, and put them up tomorrow in addition to my news video. This is a time to unite that suffering for the holy souls in purgatory. It really is. I don't know if he... Well, Kelly, be careful. He, he may not agree with Mazda and Coffin, because he said he admits that there's er, there are errors in the Latin. He does not may, agree that that in, then invalidates the resignation. So you can say he agrees in part. That's the honest thing. But to say he then agrees with Coffin and Mazda, who don't who believe that he is not the Pope because of those errors, as well as many errors, as well as any intentions. <laughs> well, that could be the case, Billy. Um,
Luke Williams says people need to read Peter Seawald's interview with B16. I did read that and I put it, I think I put part of it on the chat in the, on the, in the, in the video on the channel. Anytime I counter signal the Benny, Benny Plenis position, people get angry with me. Octomom, I can't read that comment on YouTube, so I'm not going to even put it on the screen unless you want me to lose my channel. Okay. Good morning to everybody checking in from various parts of mostly the United States so far this morning. But I, what happened to the We Were Warned series? I literally, Jaron, just put up a, my playlist on that series. I just put it up yesterday. I just run out of material to cover in it. There's a few here and there things, but that's about it. I did 44 videos on the We Were Warned series. I just put up a playlist for it yesterday. Go check it out. Let's see. But chapter eight from the, Gonsfine uh, even comments on the, on the um, relationship between Francis and Benedict. Again, this is interesting too. Quote, Entitled The Relationship Between the Two Popes, the chapter focuses on the evolving bond between Benedict and his unexpected successor, the Argentine, Pope Francis. Gonsvine, who observed Francis's first days as Pope closely as head of the prefecture of the papal household, says he and Benedict were surprised that the new pontiff chose to live in the Vatican's Santa Marta residence rather than the papal apartments in the Apostolic Palace. Gonsvine disputes the notion that this was a sign of the new pope's austerity, pointing out that the living quarters are roughly the same size and that in any case, the Vatican must pay for the papal apartment's continued upkeep. That's a, call that a shot across the bow at uh, Francis there. Gonsfein recalls that Benedict XVI was saddened by attempts by both supporters and detractors to exaggerate the differences between the Argentine Pope and his predecessor. He describes Francis as an assiduous visitor at the Pope Emeritus' new residence, the Mater Ecclesia Monastery in the Vatican Gardens, bearing gifts of wine and dolce de leche. The author recalls that Pope Francis invited Benedict to comment on his blockbuster 2013 interview, A Big Heart Open to God. The Pope Emeritus wrote that he had read the text with joy and true spiritual gain and complete agreement, but offered some complimentary observations about the Pope's remarks on the uh, Moloch ritual and the, and, uh, the James Martin sin and things related to them. Gonsfine reports that Benedict found a few passages in Francis's 2013 apostolic exhortation, Evangelii Gaudium Extraneous, but always sought to interpret his successor's words and actions as generously as possible. See the point there. There has been an attempt by Gonsfine and by others to tell you that Benedict and Francis are in continuity with each other on a couple of issues, on, on everything but a couple of issues like the liturgy and Amoris Laetitia. And I could actually do a video where I just put quotes on the screen and ask you to determine who said it, Francis or Benedict, on especially things about working internationally on these international NGO superstructures for you know various issues. Who said it, Benedict or Francis? And uh, you'll well, most of the time you'll say like, Francis, and most of the time it actually be Benedict. They were very similar on that. As much as that will disturb people to know, it is true. They said it. They were very much on the same page on a lot of that stuff. It's just that on um, a lot of the like overt, like heretical things we've seen in the last few years, Benedict would not have been on the same page. What did Gonsfine write about Traditionis Custodis? He says that Benedict did not was um he said that Benedict was like heartbroken over it, which I reported earlier in the year. 
But yes, for those joining us, Archbishop Gonsfine admits that there were technical errors in the Latin for Benedict's abdication letter. Media generally is treating that as if that's like not that big of a deal, just sweeping it away. Not really sweeping away, but just sort of overlooking kind of the importance of how big of a deal that is. As some are going to make hay out of that. It's in his new book, Gonsfine's new book, which came out last week in English, the English translation. The German and Italian translations came out in June or July, but there is now an English translation available on Amazon. I saw it there. You can go find it. Um, watch my video for today, my normal news video for today for more information on that. I'm curious, though, as we wrap this up, if you have any questions or super chats, this is the time for them. I also remind you, if you are a member of the channel, you get like once a month a free uh, super chat. It's a feature that YouTube gives to channel members, regardless of what channel you're a member of. So if you are uh, if you are a member of this channel, you've got a free super chat once a month here. So if you if you are a member watching this and haven't used it, try to try to use it. If not, if you have any questions, this will be we'll end up wrapping up here. Looks like no. So all right, folks, thanks for tuning into this brief live stream this morning and. I will leave you with this thought. We are in the, we are entering that period of the, of praying for the holy souls in purgatory. Please offer your uh, prayers for them. And otherwise, trying to see what's going on here on the YouTube side of things. Um, there is a novena for the holy souls that has been started. I would suggest uh, you you can catch up with us. Maybe I'll post it in uh, the when I do a update to my sources page for this live stream but otherwise thanks for tuning in today folks and god bless